1: Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode 59. We are back after a week of Texas Tech football and basketball, including last night's game against Louisiana Tech. We're going to further on the top of the show, and to make clear, we're going to talk about the Maui Invitational separately. So if you're kind of looking for that content already, which, by the way, you should be excited about that, the first meet of the um, basketball season coming up, we're going to have a separate episode for that. We're working out the details on when that's going to drop, but be on the lookout Tonight, we'll be talking about, first, recapping what happened against Kansas. That'll be about a 20-minute block, talking about the win, what we saw from our quarterback and some of the things we saw from the defense at large, as well as just maybe giving a shout out to Tyree Wilson's efforts over the season. From there, we're going to talk about the upcoming opponent in Iowa at 6 p.m. Central. The Red Raiders will face Iowa State. We're going to preview that matchup, talk about what it means for bowl eligibility to get this win and be set up comfortably by the time OU comes to town. And then we're going to close out with a 20-minute block talking about basketball, as we've seen so far, a little bit about what to expect from Maui, but most of that's just kind of going to be what did we see, and we're going to have a much more detailed preview of the opponents and all that jazz coming up in the future. So if we run a little bit along the football, we're still going to give you guys some good basketball content, but if you're someone who just wants basketball content at this time of the year, that'll be coming up at the end of our show about the 40 to 45-minute mark you guys can probably tell by the sound of my voice I have been sick for about two weeks and not like sick sick but I lost my voice against TCU and then developed a really bad cough um, and my voice has not recovered so I'm going to do the best I can mostly to to, to weigh in, but I'll largely be trusting Jack and Reed to carry us. Kendall is unfortunately trapped in the hellscape of Iowa in which it is freezing in the middle of a blizzard and he's lost power. So we were without him tonight. He'll actually be at the Tech-Iowa State game. So I guess he's getting in some reps for that experience in the 14 degree weather. But like I said, I, I'm going to try to not have any embarrassingly, you know, like voice cracks or too much coughing on this and just trust Jack and Reed to give you guys a pretty good show so with that we're going to start with recapping Kansas Jack I'm going to go to you first let's talk let's talk quarterback I think that's the more interesting question at this time of year unfortunately for the Red Raiders you still have not yet to make it more than one game without having some sort of quarterback shift Tyler Shuck finished the Kansas game he will be your starter again against Iowa State unless something happens to him which you know knock on every piece of wood with Tex Luck what did you see against Kansas has Shuck done enough to kind of settle this once and for all that even if Morton gets healthy he's the guy
2: it's a good question and I and I to tell you the truth I really don't know the answer Um, for me it's going back to who's running the offense the most efficiently Uh, Tyler Shuck looked pretty efficient for the most part against Kansas. Granted, Kansas is not anything close to what we'll be seeing this weekend. Um, Iowa State is priding themselves on defense this year, um, as they do, I guess, a majority of the time. But um, this is truly the first year where they really haven't had any sort of offense uh, to back it up at all in quite some time. Uh, I, I think that the... I think it really depends on just what happens. Um, I haven't looked at any spreads or lines on this game, but I would be extremely inclined to take the under. It's going to be cold as shit. Uh, Possible snow. Um, You know, it's one of those things where... I think that the first team to possibly 21 might win this game. Um, I am praying to God that we see more of the run game. We started to see a progression of it against Kansas, which was really nice. Um, What was even more encouraging for me and why I was encouraged by the performance of Tyler Shuck was there was some pass plays that were called out of the huddle And he would see a soft box and audible to a run, which is super encouraging because Tyler Shuck, regardless of how you feel about his play or about, uh, you know, the zip on his ball, his decision making at times, Tyler Shuck knows the game of football really well. And that was one of the things that stood out to me very well. The other thing that stood out to me a lot, and I don't know about you two, um, the thing that stood out to me a lot in this one was Tyler Shuck's mobility. Uh, he he was really he was really elusive at times, which was kind of refreshing to see from a guy that we really didn't think was that uh, mobile. We kind of thought that he was going to be limited to a you know a, a true pocket passer, a la Leach years uh, from the past. And so, I think it was super. It was super cool for me at least, to see someone who you kind of thought would be limited to the pocket passing game, uh, to be able to, you know, flash his true athleticism here and there. I I think that that was super encouraging. And um, I think that I, I do want to end this by saying, I think that Zach Kitley is kind of coming into his own with this, right? When he has a week To truly prepare for the guy that he knows is going to be the quarterback, and granted, he knows it's it's more more than likely it's his decision who they trot out there at quarterback, right? But I think him very clearly, I guess, not having someone that he can uh, just throw in there, like if like if he like if Shuck was starting and but Morton was healthy, he he doesn't have to worry about you know a possible ten script. Sheet for Morton too. Like Tyler Shuck's playing, Baron Morton's not healthy, so I'm fully focused on calling this game for Tyler Shuck. I think that um I think that when that happens with Zach Kelly I don't think he overextends himself and I don't think he tries to, you know, get in his head. We've talked about him out coaching himself at times, right? And, and I think that that's part of it for me and that's kind of just what I've noticed over the last couple of weeks. Um, but truly, I think that um, if it were me and it was my choice, I'm fine with Tyler shut the rest of the way. Um, high ankle sprains, high ankle, high ankle sprains are nothing to be trifled with they are nothing to mess around with high ankle sprains are can get really serious and if this kid tr- is the future and from what we've seen and what he's shown uh he is the future of tech football uh you know i'm i'm pretty cool with him you know kind of resting the rest of the year and letting tyler shuck kind of f- maybe i don't know if he's gonna stay or come back for another year but if he really shows out these last few games and uh, excels in the, if we, if he excels in these next few games and we make a bowl and go to the bowl game and he excels there too, um, you know, we'll, we'll all thank him when he goes. And um, I, I think that I would be, I would be content with uh, that situation.
1: I'm going to go to read with this next and change the question just a little bit, because, you know, like Jack said, Morton's health is it's, is kind of connected to the long-term future of the program. And I, I want to put this question out here. I don't think Shuck will have gotten enough tape to look going pro. As I understand it, he has another year, at least. If Can Shuck lock up the starting job for next year by closing strong against Iowa State-Oklahoma in the bowl game? Is it possible that he can force Morton kind of to end into a wait-and-see situation um, by closing out? Or is no matter what we do, is this going to be opened back up in the offseason?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be kind of dependent on um, more than one situation for sure. I mean, part of it's just going to be how Shug finishes the year out. Uh, I think if he plays like he did against Kansas, he's got a pretty good opportunity to uh, come back and become a starter. Next season, but really at that point, I think he's just putting himself in a harder position than he was in, uh, you know, this fall camp because he's in a battle with the same two guys, and those two guys have done nothing but get better uh, than they were this year. So um, I think he'd probably be in a difficult ship at that point to to try and be named starter again. But um, if he does well these last few weeks, I think that's going to help him, uh, you know, kind of gain some confidence and. You know, I'd be surprised, honestly, if all three of these guys are in your quarterback room next fall. Uh, I guess it is a possibility that it could happen. I just don't really see that being the case in terms of uh, playing time and uh, guaranteed to see the field, regardless of injuries or anything like that. But um, it's been interesting, you know. I think without injuries, I don't really know how this year would have shaped up because um, I think Shuck played. Uh, not very good against TCU. I don't know how much of that was play calling or, um, you know, he was just in his head or what. But it was kind of night and day from his performance from TCU to Kansas, you know, just for weeks difference. Some of that just may have been how really just not good t- uh, Kansas' defense is. So uh, you got to look at it that way as well. So uh, I, I definitely don't think anybody's going to lock down the job this fall. Uh, Going into next season, by any means, it's probably just going to be another competition um, and kind of progress the same way. And, you know, kind of the way McGuire's addressed this season with who he thinks is going to start and stuff, it's kind of come down to the wire with everything. He's probably going to do his best to keep it that way moving forward. That seems to be kind of just how he likes to go about it and how he thinks it's the best in game plan against other teams. So uh, that's kind of how I see it moving forward in the near future.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, like, the most popular guy on any football team is always the backup quarterback. You know that—that's true basically anywhere. Uh, <clears throat> it just, you know, what could be entices people. Texas Tech kind of has, from a fan base perspective. A unique—I don't want to call it an advantage because you would have loved someone to have just stayed healthy and run the show, but you have now seen all four quarterbacks, and that's a unique situ—or all three quarterbacks, excuse me—and that's a unique situation. Um, I—I I don't think it's possible to to win a job coming out of a season. Or Donovan Smith would have won this job in fall camp, like regardless of the coaching change. If it was possible to win it by playing well at the end of the year, Donovan Smith would be your guy. The flip side of this is I I agree with your premise that on face value, someone's going to (coughs) transfer. Excuse me. Um, It's just not possible that you keep all three of these guys in the room again. Or I would be very, very, very shocked to see it. Um, If Baron Morton doesn't think he's going to play, I don't know how long he can afford to waste his time. Um, I I think everyone, him included, were hoping that Shuck would come out this year really ball out and head to the nfl and the fact that i think it is likely shuck returns because his transfer situation is different to me signals that baron in particular um, and i know you've got quarterbacks coming in it's just i i i like most tech fans think that baron morton's the future but like you're about to be a redshirt sophomore in his case it, it's tough to say for certain now like you know we're the coaching staff feels any incentive to just go ahead and give him the job over shuck if he returns as for shucks immediate play um i thought he was good against kansas not great um there's things he does better than anybody else jack talked about he's best at the line he's best at checking the right play he's the best at running this offense that that's reality um the offense moved better with him granted Kansas not good defensively Iowa State very good defensively so night and day difference but he like look at how he moves in the pocket right that's something Donovan Smith and Baron Morton have never shown the ability to do you know Morton can escape and is shifty and can can run but Shuck looked like the guy like pressure's coming in from the sides he steps up looks to throw and if it's not there then goes and those reads he was making were largely always right um, so you know when you're looking at a guy right now that's you know that's that's high level stuff that the other two just aren't really capable of yet uh, you know baron i think could get there with playing time but it's hard to justify you know the future versus when now um, so that that's you know a tricky situation to balance but i think that if shuck Performs against Iowa State, there's no question to me that you shut down Morton for the year and let Shuck play it out. Um, that's just that's the smartest thing to do with an ankle injury. That's the smartest thing to do if the team's winning or playing well, and there's no sense pushing his health. <laughs> God, I swear. Um, let's move on now to the defensive side of the ball. I want to start by going to you, Reed. Let's talk about Tyree Wilson because I think I think most people now recognize he is likely done as a Red Raider. Um, he was injured late in the Kansas game. Uh, I think I don't think there's been a definitive confirmation, but it was some sort of like high or low ankle sprain or broken foot, something in that area. Let's talk about his performance. Reed. Give me give me your thoughts on the season he had and kind of what you think about his potential down the line and where you could see him going in the draft.
0: Yeah, I think he's uh, he's kind of been in a similar situation that we had with uh, with Jordan Brooks a few years ago, uh, where their their last season they just really kind <clears> of <throat> kind of jumped on the scene and uh, made a splash with some some big televised games where they're you know making uh, eight plus tackles a game, and they're always in the backfield, stuff like that. Uh, I remember a game with Jordan Brooks when we played Oklahoma State in Lubbock a few years ago. He had, I believe it was like nineteen or twenty tackles and tackle a few tackles for loss and a sack and uh, you name it he had it pretty much in that game and I think Tyree Wilson's been every part of that for you this this season this is I mean just thinking off the top of my head this is the best edge guy we've had in at least five six years Um, I think Pete Robertson's kind of the last guy I can remember of that was anywhere near this talent Uh, I think Tyree's got a bigger frame and uh, a little bit more of an NFL build than, than Pete Robinson probably did, but uh, you know I think he's been everything plus some this season for you. Uh, I had high expectations for him, uh, but I mean to an extent I didn't know if I'd expect uh, you know him to be projected first round pick in the in the uh, NFL draft right now. So it's unfortunate uh, for him the way to for him to go out the way that he did. I uh, kind of like. What uh, Coach McGuire was referring to, I think even if we had we made a bowl game, I don't know if he would have played in it anyway, uh, which would probably be smarter on his end. Uh, kind of the same way Eric comma did last season, just better on their part to stay healthy and uh, maintain their draft stock, which by all means, go ahead and do that if you're projected to go as highly as, you, uh, as he is. So, uh, I mean, again, I think he's been everything you have needed him to be. Uh, without him, I think your defensive line would not look nearly as good as it does at this point. Not that they've been stellar, but they've been a lot better this year than they have been previously. Um, I think he's been a huge reason for that. So, you know, I'm hopeful he's uh, helped some guys under him kind of grow into the role moving forward. Uh, I mean, I wish him nothing but the best, and I'm glad he was part of the team for a few years.
1: That's kind of the positive. Well, I say positive. His injury is obviously heartbreaking, but his play has been the biggest bright spot on this defense. Um, you know, that's kind of the positive from last night. I'm going to go to Jack here with some analysis on the actual problems the defense saw. But the last comment I'll make on Tyree Wilson is just you know, uh, <clears throat> he he really kind of came onto the scene against Mississippi State, and I I, I think I I some of you saw the tweet, but it was his. Pass rush like success rate was higher than almost anybody else's of all of the great names from the last like ten years. You know, the guy he was closest to was like Nick Bosa. I mean, the, the, he was the definition of elite, and by all accounts was both a great teammate and a just an all-around great guy and a really hardworking player. And <clears throat> you know, you said it yourself. Like, I don't know if he would have played in a bowl game either way or not. You know, if you're a top ten draft pick and you're going to play in a mid tier bowl, shut it down. But, you know, I I certainly at this point have no problem saying, like, you know, don't mess with a man's money. Get ready for the draft. If Tech, and McGuire said it himself, if Tech was playing for something real, he would have been there. That's the kind of guy he was. But you're not. <clears throat> he got his bowl experience last year with, with that win over Mississippi State. It's He's got nothing left to prove. He can only hurt himself further and put his career in jeopardy. You know, go show out in the senior bowl and you know by the by the time we get through like the individual draft grade process in which teams stop looking at him just as like a member of the tech defensive unit and start looking at him as holy shit this guy's a freak i think he could end up as high as you know the five range and in, in in even part of that's just because you know it's tough for a dn to really flash and get like a top three draft grade but i don't believe that there's actually five better football players in college football than him um call it homerism or not but he he's been that dominant um, but like I said, Jack, I'm going to you now. Let's talk big plays, a lot of them against Kansas. What did you see? What went wrong for the defense? What do they have to fix?
2: It almost reminded me of the uh, Murray State game, kind of. Um, it, it was definitely a lot of chunk plays, and it was something that you really hadn't seen since the first game uh, when everyone was still kind of filling out the system, filling out each other you know kind of getting back up to game speed and that's why you know you schedule those types of teams uh, early in the year um i'm gonna go through some stats and um we'll just kind of take it as they come uh you know being played for a majority of this game or i guess all but one series uh 17 of 28 for 270 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. It's an average of 9.6 yards of completion. Uh, Devin Neal, their top running back, ran it 24 times for 190 yards. It's pretty much an average of eight yards per carry. Uh, They also had a guy only carry it one time for 40 yards. Uh, Their top receiver was Lawrence Arnold, Four catches for 110 yards. That's an average of 27 and a half yards per catch. They also had a uh, tight end. Uh, I believe it was on a fourth down play, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one catch for 66 yards and a touchdown. Uh, another tight end that they had had five catches for 49 yards. That's about 10 yard. it's in a yard short of 10 at, 10 yards per catch. Uh, another receiver, they had three catches for 29 yards. That's, uh, again, another yard short of 10 yards catch. Uh, and that was Skinner. And Skinner also had a touchdown. Um uh, It's alarming, and and I don't want to, um, you know, discount what the defense has done all year for this team. They've kept they've kept this team in so many games um, that we. I mean, as we all four have discussed in the past, that you know, under previous uh, coaching staffs, we lose by twenty eight points. And we've been in them until the final possession, just because of our defense. Um, that being said, I don't think that I've seen this defense play a worse game than I saw uh, on Saturday. It was um, hard to watch at times, and it was almost predictable. Like you could, you un- you knew it was coming, right? Um, that's at least kind of the vibes that I got from it at times. Um, we're lucky that Bean had that pick, and uh, you know, props to Kosai Eldridge for picking that off. Um, but, you know, I think now, um, obviously, like y'all said, uh, Tyree Wilson is probably, with all with all realistic things being brought into thought, uh, with all the situations thought of, you know, he's probably done in a Red Raider uniform. Um, now the focus goes to Josiah Pierre, right? Uh, Josiah Pierre had another great game. He's on. He's been on a real heater. Um, you know, he had... Um, he had double-digit tackles and two and a half sacks against TCU. Well, he only had seven tackles in this one, but he had two sacks again. Um, you want to talk about someone who's really stepping up as of late? It's Josiah Pierre. Um, obviously, you have your uh, you have your anchors and Krishan Merriweather and Da'Juan Taylor Demerson. Um, there's there was a, like I said, there's a lot of good. Um, you know, we had a forced fumble at the end, too, that kind of sealed the game. Um, it, it, it made me really happy to see Jalen Hutchings get on that one in order to uh, kind of seal the victory. But as a unit, um, all like I said, all that was good, but as a unit, it, it was a really poor game. And, and I truly think that uh, Tim DeRuiter and, uh, you know, the the leaders of this defensive unit will be the first ones to tell you that. Um, they let up a lot of big plays. Um, if you just if you just take a look at uh, the ESPN, if you want to go to ESPN.com and pull up the box score from this game, it has a stat on there of the longest play from scrimmage uh, for each player. So uh, Devin Neal, his longest run was 63 yards. Uh, like I said, the other running back, Kai Thomas, his longest run was 40 yards. Uh, you had two re- two different receivers for Kansas who had at least one catch of over 60 yards each. Um, you also had two other ones with catches over 20 yards. Um, I think, and I, and I truly say this with all honesty, that I think that if you're playing um if you're playing any other team and I think that if uh, Jalen Daniels was the quarterback in this one, I, I, I firmly believe that tech loses this game um, it just was not a good it just wasn't a good game um, I will say that uh, I will proudly bear the mark of the worst uh, pick', em. On Viva this week, and uh, you know I went one and six. But um, if I have to keep picking Tech to lose in order for them to win, I will do it gladly. I will sacrifice my record to do that. Um, anyway, just basic things from what I saw. A lot of chunk plays. It's been the problem. It's I mean, let's be honest about it, right? It's been a problem all year. Um, and this game was no different. I think the name of the game now that you know what you're, what you have on defense is limiting the chunk plays. Right? Uh, it's pretty obvious. We're ten games in right now. You're not gonna stop. You're not all of a sudden gonna come out of left field and, uh, you know, come up with some defensive scheme that stops the chunk plays. Um, it's not there. They're gonna continue to happen. And I think it's just a matter of limiting those chunk plays. Um, Other than that, you know, I would continue to look at um, the defense keeping us in games. I think this weekend will be a big one for the Tech defense, mostly because Iowa State's offense is the worst in the Big 12. So I I think that uh, this could be... um, a possibility coming up for a bounce back game and just in terms of um you know of personal morale and uh kind of getting that uh you know just overall uh team morale back up to where it needs to be
1: <clears throat> yeah it's 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 great to be a good red zone defense right like this game has was won or lost capitalizing in the red zone um tech did kansas didn't and you know that it's great to have a night like that but you can't surrender every drive 20 yard plays 30 yard plays 50 yard plays because that is effectively how kansas moved the ball i think at the time i remember thinking they had a, like one real drive and everything else came came from distance you know quick strike get in position uh, part of that's just the aggression of the defense you know about this in the past but the defense is very aggressive attacks is very downhill and some of that leads to poor eye discipline but you know iowa state is legitimately bad offensively we their first team you've played that they are just outright not good offensively they don't do anything particularly well with the ball <clears throat> so it, it is a abundantly a clear that the way tech can win this game is to just not let them get chunk plays if you make iowa state drive odds are very very good they can't do it um and that's that's what we're going to go to next read i'm going to go to you here let's talk about iowa state season you know they, they, they've got the one big 12 win um they have to win out to make a bowl Let's talk expectations, you know, what how how should people be feeling about the Cyclones and Ames? Are they disappointed? Or it was this an expected drop back year? And overall, what have you what is your sense of how their season has has gone?
0: Yeah, all things considered, I, I mean, I personally didn't expect them to be uh, great. I mean, uh, if the amount of Uh, Kind of what they had last year, that's now not any longer there uh, in terms of quarterback play and uh, running back Brees Hall and your tight ends and this and that on defense that you lost. I think they lost at least half their starters on defense, if not more than that. Uh, They lost a lot of pieces. Uh, I mean, even that team, I think a year ago probably um, didn't perform the way they probably wanted to. I think they finished, you know, eight and four, seven and five. Uh, which with that roster probably shouldn't have been the case. But uh, I think they would be happy with a 6-6 six and six season with the team they've got. That's no discredit to them, but I do think they lost a lot of um, what they had, and they've had to replace quite a bit of pieces. So uh, they're probably going to throw the kitchen sink at you. Uh, they still got a really good, talented wide receiver that's uh, hurt us in the past, and Xavier Hutchinson. Yeah. Um, I don't. I can't really name anybody on their defense specifically, but I. I mean, they've always been good defensively, and they're always very sound. And never beat themselves with penalties or anything like that. And they've been good about running the cloud against us when we had Cliff. So I would expect seeing some of that to kind of limit us through the air, possibly. Um, you know, I think as t- for Tech, I think you got to be very, very reliant on the ground game in order to do anything against them, uh, especially in the weather that we're looking to kind of have this weekend in Ames. But, um, you know, I think they'll they'll do anything they can to win this game because I know this is kind of their season's on the line. Uh, if they don't win, they're out of bowl con- contention. So they're going to do everything in their power to to try and win this game. And, you know, I, I, you can't really blame them. They're probably going to be favored um, primarily because of the weather, honestly. Uh, I'm sure most people on Tech's roster probably aren't used to playing in, in the teens and possible snow. So. Uh, I'm sure those Iowa boys are kind of looking in chops at that, and uh, they're probably looking forward to, to trying to beat up on us a little bit in the weather, but hoping we're up for the task. And I think it's going to be a long, kind of a grinded out game, really, uh, for both sides. And it's just going to be the one who doesn't stumble the most, probably, it's who's going to end up winning this game. And I don't even know if somebody mentioned 21 being being the favorite to win. I don't even know if I'd say that honestly. Maybe I'll be surprised, but I'm not really seeing much of a a reason to think any team's going to score a lot of points. Uh, Mentioning that, I did go and look at the the over-under, and I think it's sitting at about 43 right now, which I think I'd be hammering the under because I don't know if I expect either team to sniff, you know, 24. So uh, relying on both teams to do that would be pretty incredible, in my opinion, so. I think it's going to kind of come down to the wire. It's going to be another dragout game, like I mentioned. I'm just hoping we're uh, kind of up for the task and looking to kind of be against all of whatever Iowa State's going to throw away because they're going to throw everything at us.
1: Let's talk weather, Jack. This is, you know, the, the, this reeks of the Patrick Mahomes game in a way. Now, that was obviously <laughs> kind of a different time in tech football that the team um overall I would say was just not as tough that year not not to you know draw offense to those guys but I think we can all agree that the brand of football being played in Lubbock now is certainly you know different and a lot more physical than it was then um so let's let's talk kind of about that game you know how, how do you see a similar situation here You know, Tech in that game was just so physically overrun, and a lot of it, I think, related to the cold. Is Tech going to be able to overcome this? How does it impact your offensive game plan to to deal with cold like this?
2: I don't see anything similar happening, and the reason that I say that is because I truly don't believe that this team this Iowa state team has an offense that can put up 66 points. Um, I don't think that, I really just don't think that there's any positives from this offense really at all. Uh, you're talking about a team that scored 11 points against Kansas, nine points against Kansas state, uh, 13 points against Oklahoma. Um, 14 against Oklahoma state last week. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot on here. Uh, I think, so they lost five games in a row at one point and their highest, uh, amount of points that they scored was 21. And that was when they almost beat Texas and Austin. Um, they scored 24 against Baylor at home. um, but other than that, they've only been in the thirties once, and that was at home against West Virginia. Um, I I do I'll say this I, I do feel really bad for Xavier Hutchinson. Um, Xavier Hutchinson is a baller, and he's I I am one of the people I think that he's going to play on Sundays. Uh, I think he's a very talented wide receiver. And uh, I really do feel bad for him that he kind of I almost feel like he didn't get the memo um, to kind of get out of Ames. Like, you know, um, you know, Brock Purdy leaving, Brees Hall leaving, uh, Charlie Kohler leaving. Uh, I I just don't I kind of think he kind of missed the memo and kind of stuck around and, um, you know, nothing really good has, has come of it. Uh, I know that he's probably. I think. I think he leads the Big Twelve in receptions, uh, but other than that, um, I he. It's just a bad place to be for him. Um, I I really hope that we don't go out there and lay a stinker like we did in that Patrick Mahomes game that you're mentioning and referencing. Uh, I feel like there's always a possibility for that to happen, right? But Like you said, I I think the brand of football that's being played in Lubbock is a little bit different uh, than what used to be played. Um, Again, I'm praying that we, you know, put a hand in the ground and run the ball 50 times in this game. Um, Because at some point, it's bound to work. And if it doesn't, you know, set up the play action. uh, Just set up the play action from your tight ends. Um, I really, you know, you kind of saying that kind of gives me, give me some PTSD from that game, honestly, but I don't think that this offense that Iowa state totes out there can score, uh, that much really, or even get half of it against our defense, uh, kind of hoping that our defense gets back to what we know and what we've seen for a majority of the year um but like you said uh I I would just key on Xavier Hutchinson and put your best DBs on Xavier Hutchinson load up the box and uh make them throw to someone else to beat you and I just don't think Deckers can do that so that's what I would do if uh we're talking defensive side of the ball
1: <clears throat> yeah I mean it's 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 a different kind of situation than in that Mahomes game Mahomes one not being healthy too. that tech defense being one of the worst you know rushing defenses in the history of college football um, all of that combined for a very bad showing in that game I'm not anticipating anything close to that this time around um, <clears throat> I just think you are one, you're just a better team than that and number two, it's just not as good of an Iowa State team in terms of uh, ability to run the ball. They just don't run it as well as as you know they 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 have in years past. They are a team that's built on its defensive calling card that's where the risk is. you know you guys are as well as it, as we are that um you know tech has historically not done super well against this um iowa state defensive system and the cold's not going to help that it's going to hurt what you want to do in a lot of situations but the flip side of that is that tech has better backs and a better running game than it's had in years and you you know you mentioned it it seems that zach kitley's starting to get the message that he has to trust them to open up you know everything else he wants to do and you can ride them in the cold to a Maybe not a comfortable win. You know, all of Iowa State's games for the most part have been close. They have a, a, a kind of a tough habit of making games competitive and losing. But you can ride them to a physical, you know, kind of grind it out win in in the brutal cold and move on and never think about it again. Um, but we're going to start now with predictions. I'll go first, then I'll go to Reed. I like Tech in this game. I just you're a better team. Iowa State's not good. You have a lot to play for. They have a lot to play for. I don't think that you're going to get caught off guard in this game or looking ahead to OU. So I'm going to take Tech winning, low-scoring affair, let's say 28-13. Reed, what do you what do you got on this one?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of liking the uh, same kind of line you are there. Uh, I honestly don't think Tech can can get to 28. Uh, I'd be hopeful to, to think we can, but uh, this Iowa State defense is pretty stout, believe it or not. Uh, record probably really doesn't indicate that to most people, but they've been very close in a lot of matchups. They lost Kansas State ten to nine. you know, they've they've given Texas a scare and some others uh, quite a few times this year. They've lost a lot of close games just because this defense has kept them in the game the whole way. Uh, I think that's not gonna be any different this time around. So uh, I do think tech should be favored. Um, I just think we're a better football team across the board our defense is not as good as theirs, but I think we're definitely good enough to hold their offense in check and not be burned by him, uh, very often by any means. So uh, I think I'm going to take tech 20 to, uh, I'll give Iowa state 13.
1: Jack, you're up. How are you feeling?
2: Um, unfortunately I'm not feeling as good as either of you two about this one. Uh, To me, it's just something in my gut that screams trap game about this. It's going to be cold. The weather's going to be shit. Um, It's a six o'clock game. It's going to be dark. It's on FS1. I just don't know. I I, I don't think that uh, there's any type of uh, heroics in this one, a la Jonathan Garibay of last year. I just don't like the way this feels and the way it sets up for this tech team, um, and I hope I'm wrong, um, but I'm I am gonna pick Iowa State in this game, uh, and, and I'm gonna pick them to win seventeen to thirteen. I just don't think that the offense gets anything going. I I think that the Iowa State defense is really good. I think they're a lot better than people, kind of like Reed mentioned, I think they're a lot better than people think they are. Um, And I think their offense gets a chunk play here and there. Um, They're used to this weather. The the guys from Tech really aren't. Um, I'm really interested to see how Tyler Shuck manages this game, considering that, it's going to be in the mid to low 20s for this one, um, possibly colder. The wind chill will probably be colder, um, considering he's from Arizona, even though he did play in Oregon for a little bit. But I uh, I, I am going to pick Iowa State uh, by a score of 17 to 13 in this one.
1: Now, ordinarily, we've been in the show, but we are going to talk a little bit about basketball before we do so. Specifically, last night's game against La Tech, it's probably the most relevant. You got a long kind of layover before Creighton. <clears throat> Let's start with, I'll go back to you, Jack, I'll let you take this one first. Let's talk the team so far. Uh What are you seeing from these guys? What are you liking? What are you not liking? Let's just keep it pretty high level. We're going to have a Maui breakdown. But I do want to get some thoughts from that Law Tech game. So
2: I'll start with the good. Um, I I do feel like, and I do want to mention this, and I don't think it's been mentioned enough um, by us or by anyone that's really been watching this Tech team play. And... For me, it's just how well uh, the ball is moving at times um, around the in the offense. Um, I think you know we've talked about it on our Slack chat, um, but I I truly want to. I don't want to get too uh, over the top, but I I truly think that uh, Davion Harmon is is the glue guy for this team. Uh, if Davion Harmon is playing well, then for the most part, uh, Texas tech will play well. I, I think that, um, I think that there has been some bright spots at times from this team, but I also think that, I mean, uh, God knows that we've been talking about this all day today, but, uh, you know, we'll get into the turnovers, the turnovers are a problem um and to say that they're not is ignorant um i think that the people that are most of the time the people that are turning the ball over are young and it can be fixed um but i i saw a tweet earlier and, and i and i wanted to point it out um and it was saying that you can say that that I mean well, obviously we're gonna be it's pop Isaacs pop Isaacs has a turnover problem but he's also extremely talented and deserves minutes um those aren't too mutually exclusive I mean those aren't mutually exclusive right like you can you can say both things and be correct like yeah the, tur- the turnovers need to get cleaned up he should be playing better yeah you know that you can say that, but you can also say he's an elite playmaker. Like those, are, I don't, I don't know why people are trying to say that those things are mutually. You, like you can't say one without saying the other. That's not the case, right? Um, uh, and I think that knowing knowing Mark Adams and knowing how this team is run, uh, I do think that those will get uh, fixed. Also, um, I think we're learning kind of who the top guys. Are going to be that play for a majority of it uh, obviously you have your starting five this is one this is truly the first game you've been tested and so you saw the starting five play a majority of the minutes um, you saw that Kerwin Walton was pretty much your sixth man off the bench um, other than that KJ Allen came off and played some really good defensive basketball um, Other than that, those are your only two other guys with double-digit minutes. Uh, Bacho played 30 minutes. O'Banner played 35. Tyson, 27. Isaacs, 25. Davion Harmon played 37 minutes. Um, Davion Harmon, I don't know if this was overshadowed by kind of the uh, turnover bug and you know kind of it being a closer game than most thought, but uh, Davion Harmon played a hell of a game. He had five rebounds, six assists, four steals, two blocks uh and fifteen points. Um, that's a hell of a game. That's a hell of a stat line. Um just everywhere, all over the court. Um turnovers have been an issue. They will continue to be an issue as I mean, and and to me at least, uh you just that's what these first couple games were for, right? To get these to get these guys some playing time. I think Maui's gonna really um Highlight some key areas that need to be worked on as well, but you know you have another stretch after Maui where uh, you have some time against some lesser opponents to get that that kind of stuff worked out. Um, other than that, the only uh, the only other thing that I would say that kind of uh, was a little kind of iffy to me, a little kind of concerning. Uh, we had shot the ball really well from the from the stripe uh until last night uh we were 11 of 18 from the line uh i mean if you're trying to it's 60 percent 61 percent um so the other and i guess i'll throw in one more thing i feel like we've been shooting the ball really well from three uh these first three games so uh that's pretty much what i've seen
1: yeah and you know I like to think I understand generally what will make people upset on Twitter. I, I didn't think this would. Um, that like there People on occasion have asked me, like, do you know? And it's like, yeah. Especially when it regards to other fan bases, it, it usually comes up where it's like, I probably tried to make you angry and, you know, that's fun for me. Uh, when it comes to tech fans, I usually feel like I know. And if something's tweeted where I'm like, ah, shit. Like, I'll look back on it and be like, that was bad. Like well, you knew that was going to be problematic. I sent that tweet and didn't think anything of it. Um, I and again, I don't want to speak for Zach's follow up on that about freshmen. I know what he's talking about, um, but like, I'm not gonna you know try to make his argument for him if he ever feels the need. Um, the Pop Isaac's tweet, I don't know what to say about it. Um, it wasn't even a, a take. It just is. If he doesn't fix it, he will not play right like how many guys have we talked about being so talented that have come to tech i mean didn't like what was the name of the, the five-star player who showed up that we kept hearing is so talented who by the end of non-conference was already basically out of the rotation and then left the program
2: namari burnett.
1: burnett burnett right like I don't need you guys to fucking tell me who's talented or not. Like, we all know it. And we all know a freshman's going to have growing pains. But there are freshmen across the country who don't turn the ball over five times. And you got freshmen on the bench who are not seeing minutes. Well, Pop Isaacs has an extremely long leash. I think he'll figure this out by about game seven or eight. I, I think he's good enough to do it i i the, the the analysis was never disproven the only thing i got into an argument with is like tone and i gotta be honest i have to do a better job of just ignoring people who want to bitch about tone because i'm I'm just not going to engage in it um anymore and you know my my kind of sentiment with that is like if you don't like how we say things yeah uh, whatever you know, it, it, it's whatever. We're we're gonna keep doing it that way, and like Jack said, I I, I don't even understand. Like the, literally, the next tweet about Pop Isaacs was talking about his shooting ability and his talent, and the thing that will keep him off the court is just the turnovers. He does the other stuff well, so like I, I I don't like, you know, to. to to deal with this crap on a good day when it is a bad tweet it's especially annoying where it's just like we can scream about usage rate if we want and that's a valid position to take that he is a high usage freshman i think i saw that was like the second or third highest use freshman and as a result you expect problems it's also reality he has more turnovers as two basketball players and he's he's getting minutes over guys who are not seeing the court largely because of turnovers right like why are Elijah why is Fisher and Washington not playing more because they've turned the ball over and they're more limited action so you know like I get it everybody wants us to be uberly positive all the time but it's just reality Mark Adams knows it because here's the thing guys that the first person to mention that these were this was an unusually bad turnover situation even for a young chemistry building team was the guy who writes for 247 for tech right so like I when when we, we can have valid basketball conversations we can have the conversation about when when is real concerns but I, I I've certainly reached kind of my my you know blow me point with regards to well you're just being negative no it's it's legitimately very bad that average 4.5 turnovers a game it can be fixed he's extremely talented and i think it will be which was the point of the tweet was that this is the thing that'll keep him off the court this right here if he doesn't fix it he will not play as much if he does he will lead this team down the line he's a great shooter he's a great athlete and i just it wasn't mutually exclusive in the first place i don't know why it became a thing you know, not not to, to, to play the world's tiniest violin for a guy who runs like a semi-successful Twitter page, but like I I was flabbergasted. People were so upset by the statement. You know, this is the why is the game close? Why has Tech failed to do better? You're averaging like 20 turnovers a game, 13 of which are coming from Pot One guy. Kevin O'Banner, by the way, also has a turnover problem. He had a very bad game against Law Tech; was not good. I thought he was pressing pretty hard, and some of that's because I think he's still settling in as well with his the new team, the new role, trying to lead these guys. The only guy who looks like supremely comfortable is Davion Harmon. I mean, I, I talked about this in the Slack chat <coughs> with the guys, but like he's your go-get-a-bucket guy, and that's that's who he is. So, you know, like, you got to have one on every roster. you got to have the guy where it's like, maybe he's not your best scorer, maybe he's not your best player, but he's the guy, when things are not going your way, a coach turns to and says, go get one, go get a bucket, go make a play. And he did that against Law Tech. He is why you didn't lose that game. Um, You know, if he doesn't play as well as he did, you lose that game, which is kind of alarming, right? Like, this is a game you should have won more comfortably. It's a good Law Tech team, maybe even a sneaky good one, but you had numerous opportunities to pull away and why didn't you the turnovers right you have plenty of time to fix it and again like I didn't think I was even disrespecting what Pope Isaacs was doing just by pointing out because he knows it Mark Adams knows it everybody in the fucking gym knows it very very good freshman struggling the thing that he has to fix is the turnovers and he will fix them I think by like game 10 hell he could even do it by next week I think it was Norris Odiasa who tweeted that like this is probably going to be their hell week you know, a full week off. That Mark Adams is not happy with the film, and is going to kind of you know take him have a come to Jesus moment. Let's see him come out and play like we all think he can, because you just you can't keep giving a guy as much leash as he's getting if we're seven games down the line, fifteen games down the line, and the turnover problem's not fixed. We have guys that can go to who look, <coughs> I think he's better than, especially in terms of pure offensive ability, but. It's hard to overcome the turnover situation. It just is. It is a glaring problem. It may not be worth worrying about. I I'm I think that's a fair point to make, but I'm worried about it because when we a lot of the time when we've started to see this stuff in guys, like they don't always pull out of the tailspin. Bryson Williams is a great example of a guy who did pull out of the tailspin. Was awful to start his career at tech. Was Bench worthy bad and pulled out and became one of the best players, not just on Tech's roster, but in the Big 12 and in the country. But uh, alternatively, guys like TJ Holyfield never really do it. Namari Burnett flamed out, so already left. star Calhoun left. Um, Ondigo never got it together, left. These were all guys we all thought had extreme upside potential. I think Pop Isaacs is arguably more polished than a lot of them were. So I, I root for him, and I'm hoping for the best for him, but it is just the area to watch. And we're going to keep pointing it out that it is the area of concern until it gets fixed. And Mark Adams is going to harp on it in every goddamn film session. So, you know, I, I I that's where I'm at with all that. Though I do apologize to everybody for, you know, just dealing with dumb shit on Twitter. It's not why you guys follow the page. Um, so, you know, we're just, I'm kind of going to change how I handle stuff like this. I've always believed that it's my job to engage with as many people as possible. Um, that's, that's always what I've thought, you know, even if I don't agree or if you disagree or just really mad at the site, like I've always thought it was best to respond and try to explain what we're thinking. It seems to me hot be the way to handle this. So instead, if you like the site, you can let us know. If you don't like it, you can let us know. But, you know, I prefer to argue content, not tone. So I'm just not going to argue tone anymore. If you think we're too negative, oh, well. think we're too positive. Oh, well. That has happened. We do get it both ways. Um, 100%. I mean, Jack here wrote that article about Quinn Ewers, and people thought he was the reason we didn't win that commitment, right? Like,
2: You're welcome, by the way.
1: Yeah. Huge win. Huge dub. If Jack is responsible, literally probably saved the season. So congratulations to Jack for pulling that off. But like, we hear about it all the time. We're going to keep doing it our way. And you know, it's okay if you don't like it. It's not for everybody. There are a lot of great websites that do not ever say anything negative about a tax sporting program. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just not us. Um, But enough of that noise. Reed, I'm going to let you close out this show on basketball. I want to ask you a question. TCU, Oklahoma State, and OU have all lost by games. Um, TCU has struggled in all of their bye games to date, and then finally were upset. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both lost their games. Is this going to hurt the Big 12 down the line? Is the Big 12 maybe not as good as we all thought this season? Or is it just too early to tell?
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's a little too early to judge uh, kind of a conference standpoint. Uh, TCU really has been a, a huge letdown. Uh, kind of looking upon what they did closing out last year, taking Arizona down to the wire uh, and then basically come back with the same exact roster uh, minus a few pieces, I think. And really have just looked terrible, honestly, since, since game one. So um, I'm hoping they kind of turn the tie a little bit because we need some, some other fresh faces in the big 12 to, to be towards the top and, you know, outside of Kansas and, um, you know, tech the last few years and some other, some other schools. So uh, I definitely think TCU does have the pieces to do that. And obviously everybody else did too. It's just a matter of them going out and doing it. Uh, I think they probably just kind of came in looking to be a little bit better than they, they really thought they were. And I kind of came out and got hit across, hit across the mouth. So uh, we'll see how they respond. Um, you know, I really don't have a huge <clears throat> knowledge of outlook on, uh, a lot of other teams outside of Tech and TCU and then Kansas, uh, just based upon a lot of knowledge that uh, I just kind of have with those programs because I keep up with them more than, than most of them. But um, I think the Big 12 will just be as good as it, it normally is. Uh, it, it's hard to really judge that off of uh, 10 days' worth of a season, whether the the conference is going to be as good as they, as they are or not because, I mean, Uh, number four Kentucky just lost to Michigan State tonight and Michigan Michigan State's unranked obviously they're still got a very good program with Hall of Fame coach but uh, I mean number four country number four team in the country just lost in the first 10 days so and that's by no means is a season ruiner so um, it's just going to be a matter of teams getting hot at the right time so uh, I think it's just going to be another dogfight in the Big 12 of course and there's plenty of teams who can go out and win, win the conference this year. I think Kansas is good, but I think they've been better previously. So I think they're they're definitely not a ride-in for a championship by any means. And kind of touch on what y'all are talking about with Tech. Um, I kind of expected some growing pains, primarily outside of you know Harmon and uh, O'Banner. We really just don't have a lot of experience. Uh, so I was a little bit hesitant to have some large aspirations this year. Um, that being said, we do have a lot of talent, it's just a matter of them kind of coming into a fruition and getting into a role that we need them to be for the season. Uh, and kind of to answer your thing too, I, th- I think Davion definitely has been your, your best player so far by kind of a landslide to an extent. Uh, O'Banner's played not nearly as good as I think he needs to be playing. And I think he's the first one to tell you that. So Not that he's been terrible, but I do think he needs to be uh, at a better consistent rate across the board. Um, So, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting season. I think Maui is going to be kind of a wake-up call, hopefully. you are going to see some good teams there. And, you know, I don't want that to be kind of a detriment to your season, whether you do really good or really bad. But I think it's going to be a good indication as to where you are as a team and program and kind of give you a good outlook on what's going to happen the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to reiterate, right? Like, we're going to root for these guys all year. We always do. And I hate having to have the same discussion about this every basketball season. I I don't know what it is about basketball that causes this, but, like, I constantly get into the same arguments about it. But it's okay, right? Like, difference of opinions, difference of opinion. I think he'll eventually get it together, and I think the team has a lot of – success ahead of it. And, you know, if if, you know, Pop Isaac's doesn't materialize, I think you got wings, you got people who can help you um figure it out. But, you know, they I think that, you know, where we are as a basketball program isn't isn't as good of a place as it's been in under anyone, even under, you know, Beard's best teams the 2019 team being an example of this, like this team is as good as anyone's. They just have to kind of figure it out, put it together and we'll, we'll see what they actually do. And I think that, um, when we get to the end of the year, we'll be able to say, you know, yeah, they, there were some moments where you weren't like super thrilled, but they pulled it together and did some exciting stuff. And I think that's what we'll be talking about at year's end and I hope that, you know, when we get to the end that, you know, the growing pains don't involve kind of what's happened to TCU and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. You can learn from any win. Any win is a learning win. Um, and the bright side is, is like Northwestern State was who knocked off TCU. They're one of the worst teams in basketball, but also happened to be Tech's win. Texas Southern got their dub. You know, that's that's a huge pickup for Tech in terms of down the line, what your RPI looks like, what the net looks like. Those wins matter now more than they did. They're not going to mean much at the end of the year, but they are a little bit more valuable (coughs) out of what's been a very weak non-conference slate to date. Creighton up next and a whole slate of Maui Invitational Action. We will have a full preview on that, dive into the best team out of the tournament on paper anyway, the Creighton um side with their size and they're just all around good team we'll have takes on that as well as potential opponents tech we'll see in the tournament format as well as how overall should we evaluate the success of that but that is coming up later this week i think we'll probably aim to drop that saturday depends on everybody's recording schedules but that's that's when we'll be looking probably to release it so you guys can listen to it while we wait for the football game to start um hope everybody has a great rest of their week for those of you who had to suffer through the taylor swift shit you have my condolences it was in fact a battle so if you were one of the people stuck in that with with myself and my wife um congratulations you got it and don't be too hard on yourself if you didn't Um, but we'll, we'll have a good rest of the week and we will rally up with you guys again probably saturday with maui and then the following week to talk about what hopefully will be the bowl game clinching victory over the iowa state cyclones reckon guys enjoy the rest of your week